0: At today's
1: Alan English is on the line now. He is the new editor of the Sunday Independent. Alan, you've had quite good morning, and thank you for joining us. Congratulations and best wishes. You've had quite the start to your tenure in the editor's chair. That's if you managed to sit in it yet.
0: Uh yeah, I haven't actually, Sean. I haven't. Uh, I haven't even been in the office. Uh, I've never worked in uh, independent news and media in my life, so it's very strange. I was forty-eight hours away from moving to Dublin. When it became clear that it would be pointless because the office was closed and I couldn't couldn't have met any of my new colleagues, so basically I spent the last five weeks editing the uh, biggest selling paper in the country from my front room in Castle Connell, County Limerick. How does that work? Well, uh, video technology is a wonderful thing, Sean, as I'm sure you've you've found yourself. And um, in a way, in a way, like you just make the best of it. Uh, in, in, in some way, it kind of makes for a more intimate. Um you know new relationships where you're you're seeing people in their in their homes and their in their front rooms and their bedrooms sometimes and even in their cars <clears throat> and um you know it's 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 uh, it's been an interesting way of getting to know people and uh, we've made we've managed to make it work I'd like to think that readers haven't really noticed any difference in terms of you know the the, the paper and that's been the case. Across the board in the newspaper, in the newspaper business, you know, people are just making it, making it happen, making it work.
1: Yeah, and what about you landing the position of editor, Alan? Uh, was it something that you always aspired to? Uh, because I think you were in the Sunday Times for a long while as uh, assistant sports editor, was it? Then you went back to Limerick, so you were kind of bypassing Dublin.
0: Yeah, I never worked uh, really in Dublin uh, before, uh, Sean. So. Um, I I was 10 years nearly as editor of the Limit Leader, um, very much enjoyed that. Um, I think uh, there was a significant change at at INM and it was taken over by Media House, um, uh, a a Dutch-Belgian group. Um, I think they, they were probably more open to the idea of an outsider, somebody who hadn't been part of the... Of the setup in, in, in the media setup in Dublin, coming into the job, um, I think it's probably unlikely that I would have I would have gotten the job um, under the previous regime.
1: What did you hold out by way of the change, or 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 what were you going to bring to the party, so to speak? How did you convince them that you were the one? <laughs>
0: um, well, like I just, I mean, I, I just gave them my thoughts on the paper uh, uh, as as it was. Um, I you know my, I I felt that. I felt that there was a, a lot of very interesting columnists and opinion writers in it, but m- maybe not as, as much um, investigative news um, uh, at the front of the book. Um, I felt that the paper became the most successful title in the country um, through through the brilliance, really, of, of Angus Fanning and Anne Harris. I, I felt there was a sense that that um, you know it needed to change uh, a bit more than it had uh, in, in you know in, in the last several years. So that process is kind of underway now, and I think that's. In keeping with really with 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 what Media House as a company believes uh, is the future, because I think journalism is just going to become more and more important. Now we've got a media a media background where advertising um, is under is under is under you know struggling. Given journalism.
1: yeah, sorry okay. to cut across you. I know you're on a, you're on a, a WhatsApp call, Alan. Um, given the fact that there was a bit of trauma in the paper, in the, in the in independent house, I suppose, between some of the journalists working there and also the previous ownership regime with Dennis O'Brien, and we can't really get into the detail of that because I think mm. there's lawyers involved quite yeah. heavily at the moment, but do you think it was probably a good thing that a non-Irish uh, uh, group of people came along to take control of the paper?
0: I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I, I didn't experience the, the trauma, as you described it, um, but uh, Peter van der Meersche, the publisher, uh, is on record as saying that he, he, he was taken aback by the low morale that was in the company when uh, when Media House took over. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody who's only recently uh, part, of, part, of, part of I&M for the last five weeks, I mean, I, I find, and I would say this, wouldn't I, but I think it's absolutely the case that the morale is, is, is massively stronger um and you know i I do think it has been a positive for everybody there people are happier they tell me they tell me they're happier um now and and i I think the move to uh the move to changing the digital strategy and introducing a a subscriber service has been a good one and a timely one and, and it's going very well
1: yeah actually on that um as it happens, about 10 years ago uh, for the centenary of the Connacht Tribune, I was involved in a seminar down in Galway in the university and the keynote speaker was Dennis O'Brien and somebody asked, look, uh, from the floor, how, how can you uh, monetise um, uh, the internet for newspapers? He said just, well, he said a simple answer, watch what Rupert Murdoch does and copy it. Now, I don't know uh, if that uh, has actually worked for Murdoch, but it is, it's one of the huge challenges for the, the newspaper industry. How do you get digital to pay?
0: Yeah, and, and the, uh, in the last uh, 18 months to two years, I think the argument has, has turned around now. I mean, there was previously a belief that uh, digital advertising was the way to do it. Um, Murdoch went against the grain on that. Uh, uh, he put up a paywall on the, on, the, on his newspapers quite early. Uh, I personally believed in that at the time. I felt it was the right move. Um, others, others came around to that idea, like the Irish Times. Did it ahead of INM, um, and you know, INM have now pivoted towards a subscriber uh, route, and I think it's absolutely the right way to go because the revenue that you can generate now from from, from digital advertising um, is is much less than people might have expected years ago. And even in the era now of, of coronavirus, what we what we're seeing is that advertisers are specifically saying that they don't want their uh, advertising to appear <clears throat> in the context of coronavirus stories. And what else is there? Um, so, so that has had a huge effect on, on, on the revenue that one can command. Yeah. So it's definitely, yeah.
1: Well, I was going to ask you, Alan, so, what do you think is the future, or is there a future for print journalism? Uh, I mean, how long do you think we'll be seeing hard copies be it of the Limerick Leader, or indeed the Sunday Independent?
0: Well, I'd like to think, uh, I'd like to think there's the, still a, a you know a good um, you know, medium term future for print newspapers. Uh, I think the pattern has definitely been towards. Um, you know, if you're talking nationally, the, the sales of the Sunday Independent and, and I would I would assume other weekend titles have held up extremely strongly uh, at this period. I think there's probably a feeling now that people will take the weekend um, to read the bigger titles that are being produced, whereas the the daily, the Monday to Friday titles are probably coming under more pressure. Um, uh, locally, yeah, it's another big argument. We could spend an hour talking about uh, local journalism and the challenges that it faces. But um, I, I absolutely believe that um, the future uh, um, for local newspapers and national newspapers is high quality journalism.
1: Yeah, you took over yourself as uh, editor of the Leader there in Limerick in, in 2007. Now, the contrast between how things were then and the reality that followed on—I think about 18 months uh, so or so later—was uh, extraordinary. I mean, there was there was huge money sloshing around the regional papers at one point.
0: Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. In fact, um, <clears throat> the Limerick Leader was one of uh, three newspapers. Purchase for uh, what now seems an outlandish and an extraordinary amount of money, $138.6 million, um, Johnston Press paid uh, the Leinster Leader Group at the time. Um, and, th- and there were several underbidders, including the Irish Times, who bid somewhere around $100 million. Um Irish Times would be in a lot of trouble had they won that. Uh, Johnston Press, um, because of their entry into the Irish market, were basically a, a dead company walking f- um, as soon as they signed the contract on it. Um, so you know, from from my point of view, I went into Celtic Tiger Ireland. I came back from London. Um, you know, the, the property section of the Limit Leader when I when I started in March two thousand and seven was either seventy two or eighty pages every single week. Good heavens! Um, you know, it, it was just a, a totally different time. Um, and you know, it, it's uh, almost as soon as I was in the door, the uh, the thing started unraveling.
1: Yeah, nonetheless, the leader, Despite, I mean, like, it's extraordinary that it, like, the three papers bought for, for £250 million, I think, they ultimately... Well, uh, ten,
0: ten altogether, so... Yeah. So I
1: beg your pardon. Um, but again, the, 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 it became sort of low single figures, so to speak, what they were disposed of uh, subsequently. But look, along with so many other great provincial titles, you still managed to get the stories, make waves. Can I take you back to that time when Willie O'Dea got into a spot of bother over a story you printed in the leader? Just give us a bite-sized version of that controversy.
0: Yeah, well, it began, uh, there was a, a, a kind of a selection meeting uh, for, for uh, local elections. Mike Dwan, Limerick Leader Reporter, was at it, uh, interviewed Willie O'Dea uh, about um, this and that. And um, Willie happened to drop into the conversation. A little bit of, uh, I guess, a uh, gossip, you might call it, about a political rival, uh, Morris um, uh We published the story. It was basically a claim that he, he owned a... He owned a house that was being used as a brothel. It it, it, uh, it was incorrect, um, and uh, it, it, it a controversy then ensued over the next six months, where um, Willie was sued by. Morris Quinlevin, and it ultimately ended uh, in Willie uh, having to resign from. from uh, yeah, from, in fact, from we can
1: revisit that through the archives. Um, a very big controversy at the time. That allegation about Morris Quinlevin, entirely false, of course. A couple of clips. First of all, we can hear yourself on air with my predecessor. I didn't think we'd be hearing the again on this programme. Uh, and it was at the point where you had decided to release the tape of the interview.
0: You know, following uh, numerous media requests and following uh, Joan Burton raising it in the doll yesterday, we have made a decision um, after taking further legal advice that we are in a position to release the tape and we will be doing so today.
2: Okay, Uh, any chance of doing it before 12
0: o'clock so I can play it for my listeners? Um... Uh, I, we've had a call uh, from, one you, uh, from one of your uh, colleagues uh, on the news at one, and um, we are look, we're looking to have it uh, really All right.
1: Well, I'm, I'm happy uh, to tune into that and advise our listeners uh, <laughs> moving, to do the same. Moving swiftly on, whereupon I was reminded of this lately, I jumped out of my chair in the newsroom and ran around punching the air, shouting, yes,
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> and, uh, we still remain very grateful to you for that. Uh, now, let's hear a little bit from the tape itself, where Willie O'Dea made the allegation against Morris Quinlivan and his brother, both of whom were 100% vindicated in all of that controversy. They'd done nothing wrong. Here's the tape that had such big ramifications.
2: I the mean, money from the Northern Bank must be stretched fairly far, you know? Yeah, and while, while 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 you know occasionally we send out letters to planning applicants and all that, we've never been involved in anybody who ever shot anybody or robbed banks or, or, or kidnapped people or anything like that. And uh, you know I suppose I'm going to be too far when I say this, but I, I just I'd like to ask Mr Quinnlevin have clo- uh, is the brothel still closed? <laughs> the <brothel's> still closed. <laughs> is the brothel still closed? the brothel still yeah. closed? Yeah. Do you know the brothel they found in his name and his brother's name down in Classy Strand? Yeah. Yeah, should I hear that. You better that. check with your sources. Okay. They found the, 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 a house that was that was that was uh, owned by him. Uh. Rented out. They found two ladies of the night operating <laughs> it in, in the last couple of weeks. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Heavy stuff. There. We shouldn't be laughing at it. A very very serious. But we, obviously, we were delighted to get those tapes on the news at one that day. <laughs> a lot of pressure on Willie. Calls for his head to roll at lunchtime. When I spoke to him, he was still hanging on. 19,082 votes or not, Minister, it's all very, very sleazy and it casts Irish politics at the highest level in a very bad
2: light. Well, look, there's a lot of things that cast Irish politics in a bad light. All I can say is that I have been accused. I've been accused in the public domain. I've been accused in the media, the print media, the electronic media, etc., of being a perjurer. I am not a perjurer. Neither I or any of my f- members of my family ever committed perjury. If you're committing perjury means knowingly swearing yes, apart, and there has to I be never, a mens rea. I never, I never, as the lawyers never, would say. I never did that. Sean. And it's so, a very so, difficult so, so charge I'm, to prove. So I'm a, am a victim. I'm a victim here as well. You you're know, a victim. Everybody, everybody is a victim. Well, I mean, I'm being accused of something I didn't do, which is perjury. So therefore, that point of view I'm a victim. But the fact of the matter is, look, I made a gross mistake. If it, was, if it was a wrong thing to do, I apologise. I, I paid a heavy price for it. And and, and I, I'm sorry. That's all I can say. I, I don't know what else I can say. Well, I'm sorry.
1: And uh, that was Willie O'Dea. Uh, all of uh, ten, 10 years ago, there was a payout tomorrow's Morris Quinlivan by Willie O'D. He mm-hmm. ended up resigning as Minister for Defence a few hours after that news yeah. at one. I what think was your own uh, relationship like with them, Alan, after that day?
0: Um, yeah, look, I think that interview did seal his face. Um, and clearly, uh, I wasn't too popular with Willie um, uh, shortly afterwards and for quite some time, I think. Um, I remember there was one day uh, I was parked outside my parents' house to go into work at about half seven in the morning. And there wasn't anybody within 500 yards of me, apart from Willie O'D, who was coming up the footpath uh, on the same side, and when he saw me uh, sort of 50 yards away, he stopped and crossed the road. Um, but I have to say, in, I'd also like to say about Willie O'D that, um, you know, several years later, when the Limerick leader was sued by the University of Limerick, and I was personally sued by UL too, um, you know, he got up on the doll along with Niall Collins and, and. Uh, was immensely supportive uh, to the leader um, and to myself. And that was something that my father, my late father, deeply um, uh, appreciated. He he was a a lifelong Fianna Gael voter. and, And directly as a result of that, he decided to vote for Willie O'Dea in the next general election. (laughs)
1: fair enough I'm sure Willie was very pleased about that if he ever found out about yeah another number one
0: for (laughs) Willie
1: one other thing and I I apologise to people waiting for the news at 11 but I think this is definitely worth hearing you were also in your previous life you were sued by Lance Armstrong in the Sunday Times
0: yeah, that goes back to 2004. I was deputy sports editor in London. And, um, you know, to sort of cut a long story short, um, David Walsh, the chief sports writer, who, who, who ultimately was the, the journalist associated with um, exposing Lance Armstrong for the drug cheats that he was, he was about to bring out a book. Uh, no English language, language publisher would touch it. Um, it was being published in France, but we were having extracts in the, um, in the Sunday Times the following. Uh, the, the day before the book came out, um, <clears throat> there was a problem uh, with the extracts. The lawyers uh, felt it was they were too hot to handle. They decided that they couldn't uh, recommend the publishing of the extracts. Uh, whereupon David was resigned as Sunday Times chief sports writer. Um, I was a, was and am a, a good friend of David. As I tried to convince him to change his mind, um, and the following day I suggested that I would write I would write a piece about his pursuit of Lance Armstrong. Uh, and that we would um, we would publish some of the extracts, uh, some of the information in the new book, which was which was a plan that worked out fine, and uh, the piece went ahead. But on on the Tuesday, Lance Armstrong's lawyers, Shillings, the most feared lawyers in London, um, they uh, sent in a writ, uh, uh, which ultimately cost the Sunday Times nine hundred thousand um, pounds. But then when I. <laughs> when Lance went on, Oprah Winfrey uh, and admitted to being a drugs cheat, the Sunday Times countersued and got all its money back, including interest. So um, I had a little bit part in that, which was, which was, It's great to be part of these little skirmishes, Sean, as you go through a career in journalism.
1: Well, listen, you're just opening a new chapter. You bring a great deal of wealth, uh, of experience, uh, initiative, and no little bottle. Uh, Alan English, uh, editor of the Sunday Independent, we wish you the very best. Look forward to reading the paper in the days, months, years uh, to come. Uh, Thank you indeed. Best wishes with that.